You are listening to the Faith Over Breakfast Podcast, Season 2, Episode 41. Because it's Welcome to Faith Over Breakfast. This is Eric Seepin. I'm pastor of the village. And across from me is Andy Littleton, pastor of Mission Church. And we have our guest, Ray, who we did a commercial for and is now live on our... true. Yeah, there's a real commercial. There's a real commercial for for Ray. (laughs) And Ray's done commercials for a lot of other people. It's true. I have. Yeah, yeah, he's a a radio man. So Mm -hmm. Ray Ray Engineery is an elder at Mission Church, um, a radio producer extraordinaire, Hiram, uh, for your new uh, (laughs) podcast station. Pay him, you know, a lot of money. He's worth it. Um, So... He's uh he's joining us. We talked we were talking a little bit about how your family background shapes the way you interact with the church. Got into a few other side topics. Uh, focus on the family. Yeah, he threw in was he threw thrown, down thrown out there the a couple times. <laughs> uh, uh, just you know, church theory on uh, youth ministry gets chucked in there at yeah. uh, at one point. There's all sorts of. Sorts of good stuff. Democrats, uh, parachurch, Republicans, conservatives. conservatives. We didn't talk about Jordan Peterson. Which I just wanted to shift over. Wait, this is an introduction. Could we put uh, in this one Jordan Peterson – Family origins because we leaped like thirty to forty <laughs> listeners. Just let's just title just, every podcast Jordan, Jordan Peterson, Peterson something. That's Great, what, that's clickbait. That yeah, or really, Rob Bell. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. So just you should be happy to know that Rob Bell is now our number one listened to podcast. Doesn't surprise me. And uh, Bible reading is our second. There it is. And so we've pushed your hated one. Worship music, which was our number one podcast. It's pushed down? It's now number three, cool. finally. That works. So you're a happy man. All right. Enjoy our talk. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in. Well, guys, here we are. It's uh, it's not Tuesday. Nothing's right in the universe. No. It's not breakfast. It's faith over it's lunch. Faith, it's faith over lunch. And uh, only one of us has anything to eat, and so That's he's our, our guest. guest. And so we're gonna we're gonna wait till he takes a bite, and then ask him a very. Um, I've already had a bite. Engaging question. I went through Chick Fil A. Yeah, you know the drive-through is very long. But it is the, long. I went inside, and it was like there was no wait. That's the only way to get a Chick Fil A at lunchtime, unless you want to be there for an hour. I ordered, and it was out like that. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I've, I skipped Chick-fil-A on the way to the elders meeting at our church the other day because the line was so crazy. Because it's a Tuesday, because it's family night. But why are you in the drive-thru on so, family night? So they night? can go home, have the food there. But it doesn't cost less. No. They just are, there's just like a cow walking around. It's a different kind of cost. It's time. Well, it's, it's I don't know. So, Maybe so they you still their car feel with AC. I like you did family night at Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Just because you went through the drive-through, I don't know. I didn't participate in any. Let's of the ruin the environment a little building. bit more as we wait in the in the car. Yeah, right. Well, that's what Christians do. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, um, yeah, you you guys don't quite know what I want to talk about. So no, no, we don't. Uh, Ray and I had a little conversation in Bisbee about our families and. It just it was brief, but it was kind of like, well, I come from this kind of family, so when I get into Christianity and I hear X, Y, and Z, it doesn't really bother me, or or whatever. And and then you and I have had some conversation about our families, our background, and I think the fatherhood of God. Yes, we, we talked a whole about podcast of that. Yeah, and that's not. I don't want to go there per se. It's more 
you know, coming into the Christian experience, depending on your your background and how what that's like. And so, I'm just going to take a stab at at our backgrounds and see if I'm anywhere close, and then you can explain yourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, Ray, you you came from maybe a more liberal and non-religious background. I would say I came out of a. To clarify real quick, I yeah. came out of a conservative household. Conservative that was household. not evangelical. Okay. Okay. So that's good. That, yeah. So does that make more sense? Yes, it does. So there's a lot of values that were probably like politically conservative. Politically household. conservative, but not evangelically conservative. Okay. Was there church background? Involved? Yes and no. Uh, yes. On and my no. part, yes, because I went to church and and I went to a Christian school, so that was aided in some of that. In the, in some of that. Does okay. that make sense? So so there were. There were Christian touches, school, you went to church, but it wasn't it built into your family's framework, no. Framework. Got it. For yep. various reasons that I probably can and can't get into, but Sure. But yeah. Yeah, we want you to expose everything about everybody involved. <laughs> that is Andy's kind of thing. He wants I know. he wants juice. This is really faith over TMZ. Like Yeah, right, kind of, exactly. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> um Eric, I I was just with your parents. They did a counseling session for my wife and I. Uh yesterday. Sweet of them. Yeah, wasn't it? Well, would you like to go into that a little bit? Well, that's why we're here. Oh, okay. That's really what I'm trying to do. <laughs> Tell us all about it. Um so, but your family was, you know, your dad was first generation. So was my mom. So, okay, both first generation, but then, so first generation Christians, but then went in all the way, like, to where they're still, you know, serving yes. and, and and leading people. Yes. Yep. So, so you became entrenched in the, like, we are all in professional Christian yeah, I would say we were, but we were more the strain of the para ministry. Yes. Than in the strain of regular church. Yep, 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 yep. Correct. Cool. And then I came from a politically moderate mm-hmm. family, probably left leaning. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but in the evangelical church, very much. Sure. So we were always the, the oddballs, not, we weren't. Oddballs because of our faith, but we were we were a little bit oddballish um, in because, the church because we weren't yeah in the church because we weren't tend to, we didn't tend to be conservative yeah so you know far back my mom would talk about you know voting for Democratic candidates and um, my dad was always in a union uh, sure. when, when I was younger and so so just yeah so we had that that little experience so so yeah kind of uh, being adult Christians today, um, how ha- how has that past shaped the way that we interact with what's going on in the church, in the world? How does that shape our experience, and how do you imagine that's different from people who are listening to us? I think that's, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. Sure. Because everybody's got their read on things, and it's just so shaped by your by your family background. So, I mean, do you remember what brought this up for us in Bisbee, Ray? Do you? Well, I think we were talking about kind of why people leave the church and some of the younger people that I know that don't like the church and then the questions that people have. And it was one of those things where it's like, why why does this happen? And I think one of the things that I was bringing up was that there are people that consider themselves to be, you know, not evangelicals anymore 
Yeah. But my thesis is that they're pretty much still evangelicals just on like the, you know, using a Stranger Things reference, the upside down version <laughs> of uh, evangelicalism. And by and large, the the stuff that was built into them is still built in. It's still built in. The patterns of, of how they do things are still the same. It's just rather what they believe is different or the beliefs that, that come out of them are kind of the opposite of 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 what they what they believe, but those patterns still exist. I mean, you think of everything that characterizes what you have from evangelicalism, you know, conversion, um, uh, you know, yeah. all of these things still exist in some way, shape, or form. In the sense that you have people that have deconverted, you have people that are very outspoken about the way they want their non-faith to exist or the lack of faith to exist and how that you know works out politically. So essentially it's the same thing but it's just going in a different direction. And I think where we kind of came the reason I had this yes this idea was because it's like this stuff is just so built into you from your, from background, your background and you don't see how consistently you're living out of it. Like you think you've gone a different direction but only a couple things, a couple variables have changed. Yes. By and large we're we're living out of this it's almost like when we were doing the church, you know, we were planting, mm-hmm. we had the values and our anti-values. Right. I think in your life, you either live out of your values or you live out of your anti-values. Yeah. And for a lot of young people who are le- leaving the church and changing their mind, I think they're living out of those anti-values or the bad things that they're rejecting. Yeah. And that's where they approach things. Whereas I never really had any sort of negative problems with evangelicalism aside from the peer pressure that came along with going to a Christian school Mm. in the family. Because I grew up in a Catholic Italian family that was strong and very intense. And so there was never a sense that I was going to to leave that. And so, or that was ever going to abandon me. And so when I ran into that in the church, I don't really know that I'm operating out of an anti-value as much as I am values that were kind of instilled into me from that. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. What do you um, think? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are your thoughts? What are my thoughts? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Well, I, I, are you surprised that we're even wanting to talk to you? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm glad you're talking to me. I'm the old guy in the room now. Well, I was going to say something about our ages that, you know, we have an elder in our midst. Yeah, I'm 47. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, so, so dang, dang yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm surprised you even know how to podcast. Yeah, it's really hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah. So I think two things. One, I think that the generation, the younger generations, um, actually have less that their parentals have less impact on them, and their culture has more impact on them. Um, and so I think one of the things that is very, uh, what do you call it, a trait of people who are, say, 35 and under is that they do not like to see other people be attacked or minimized in their experiences. Mm. And so they are quick to defend them. And that's been since they were young and they've grown up in this culture. They've been taught that. So I think as they watch their, especially if they're followers of Jesus or they grew up in that fa- that environment they watch the church doing that and they react to it sure attacking people you're saying yes so attacking people of the different sexuality attacking democrats or liberals they they quickly feel the need to defend those and to identify with those and so that's that's the one i think the other one is in the culture underneath 35 we've told 
people that creativity and the arts are actually important. We've tried to reinstall them. I don't know if you remember, but MTV spent all this time like, you know, getting music back into the schools. That was their big, big push. Huh. Well, they that was the beginning, I might say the late 80s, to really pushing in the culture to say, hey, no, the arts are actually important. I mean, even if you look at music now and you look at the quality of artists, I'm talking just musicians. Yeah, yeah. You have a lot more high quality musicians within the music industry than you did in the 80s. Sure, and even in the pop world because and, yes. those people are those people have grown up in a culture where they've been told, "Hey, you know, you can yes. make art." Yes. As opposed to you're just a singer right. that steals a song and and, and right. sings it. Like right. think about Britney Spears yes. versus someone like Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift who's right. almost like a mogul and has a lot of control over what she does. Yes. Yeah, so I think these are I love where this conversation's gone all of a sudden. I'm I'm not quite sure how it happened. We so, can reel it back in. So, yeah. So here's here's the thing though. I think the other reaction is to look at the church. The church has said that that creativity is not an accepted thing within the church. It's not a value. And I think people react to that because I mean, it's just it's saying you don't really actually fit here. Your own expression, your own impact in a creative way, like the things that you have that are important to you don't really matter unless you can tick the bo- you know, check the boxes here, here, and here. Um, okay. So those are two things that I I would say in response to all that. Quick thing to your like to your family background. I something that I don't think has ever dawned on me before is a lot of. I mean, I, at least I know you and at least one of your brothers came out of your family super creative. Like all three of us. All three of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of music and writing and. Y- I'd say and, between all of us, there's probably fifteen hundred songs. Yeah. That we've written. Yeah. yeah. How did that? How did that happen? Well, Does, is that was that instilled in you? Was that built into you? Where, do you, where did that come from? Well, I mean, that, or was it just you just were you just were creative? And um, I think my my mother created space for that because she's creative. Okay, um, and she encouraged those things. Yeah, but I also think it's just natural to who we are. Yeah, can yeah, I, yeah. Can I make a line of delineation? Because I feel like I've seen within Christian culture. An interesting thing, and I agree with you that there, within evangelicalism, there is a different that that creativity is kind of squashed because it's, you know, it's almost like it's consumer driven. Yes, it's very consumer. So here's, but here's the difference that I would say within the parachurch organizations, right. within missionary organizations, uh-huh. within all of those kind of in that world. I see a lot of creative people. Yes. Yeah. It it seems like that was the way that those folks stayed in Christianity and didn't deal with the church. Sure. And, I mean, in one way, they just – there was probably an abandonment where they should have contended with the church over that and stuck around. And then there was probably a part where it was like it just was impossible to get done, and so they went over there. I mean, some of the best musicians I've met, people who write things, sing things, are all – are all MKs, right? You know, missionary, missionary kids. kids. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're all people that lived in other countries and had to, f- you know, probably didn't have MTV, so they learned how to play an instrument. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. No, that's true. And so there's some separation there that I find interesting, um, but I do uh, understand what you're saying that you know creativity really was even when I was in school. So this is where part of the the my story gets strange in that. You know, at at home, I had a very kind of this life. And then at school, it was like peer pressure to be an mm-hmm. evangelical. Hmm. And so there was, there was, I was always drawing crazy things and, you know, pictures that my teachers probably didn't like. And they, 
they were like, why are you doing this? And I was like, I just enjoy it. <laughs> You yeah. know, why are you putting horns on something? It's satanic. And uh, I'm like, I never really thought about that. And so I was just, you know, an 11 year old kid. Right. And in that sense, I pushed back a little bit on that. I pushed I, back I a like lot that. on that stuff when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. But, but I didn't really have a lot of those limitations. Like that was for you, that was just school. And yes. so it was kind of, you're like, what's wrong with this place? What's going on here? That yes. didn't necessarily carry back to home and your no, and the circles your family and was And it didn't in. come from home. That's the other right. thing, too. It came from growing up in public schools my entire right. childhood. Right. And when, you, when I transferred, and I should note, too, that the reason I transferred to the private school is because the public school was brutal. Yeah. When I transferred to the public school, it was great. I mean, the private school, rather, it was yeah. great because it was the people were nice Everyone was great, but that peer pressure to um, live up to whatever evangelicalism was being pushed in those people's houses sure. was incredibly, I don't know if I would say oppressive, but difficult to deal with. Right. And was something that I think was difficult for my family coming from me because I was always afraid of being left out from that. And so I would... I would go in different directions that yeah. other people would, and, and I think it, it caused strain in in, huh. in my family. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I uh, I had I had a like my family being more steeped in, in evangelicalism. It wasn't when I went to private school for part of my life. It wasn't too surprising, but it was also a new intensity. Like I realized this is a lot more intense for some people. Like my parents were never. I mean, I remember when the Massimo Stussy controversy came up where everybody was saying that 666 was in the logo of sure. those brands, um, like within the Christian circles. That didn't come from my family. My family never brought that up, never thought about it. It was all from that Christian school. And then those clothes were banned. Yeah. And I was like so ticked and wanted to wear them anyway and was like – it really it – really, made me rebel. And so I wasn't utterly surprised because we'd been around church circles and I knew that there was like this fear of doing something evil, you know, in so many areas, but it came down on me way stronger at that school and I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. But, um, but my parents weren't as, it didn't come from my parents as much, but I think we, we have a realization or I've had a realization that some of the people we're dealing with that we know and care about who are like tired of it all yeah. in a way like that. They, they got it at home. They got it at church. They got it at school everywhere. And then now they've gone, they've gone, okay, I'm done with that. But the interesting thing is there's like a whole new set of rules and a whole new set of evils and a yes. whole new set of rejected things. And yes. it looks quite parallel. And I'm not sure that those folks are seeing it that way. No. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I also think maybe it's just that, Life transformation hasn't happened. We face a lot of problems. It doesn't seem like the church has legitimate answers to things. Mm -hmm. And so that's why a lot of young people have a hard time engaging the church. Yeah. It's, yeah, because they're not willing to get into the mud, really. Right. They're so, kind of wanting to be on the surface level still. Yeah. In so, a sense. So interestingly, you know, we're oh, – Ray, you and I are in our 30s. Eric, you're in your upper 40s. Man, you're about to retire. I know from the village. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> how, no. old, how old are you, Andy? Thirty-seven. And how old are you? Thirty-three. All right. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I know. I'm a millennial. Um, yeah. But 
So here we are, and we none of us are like currently contemplating being done with Christianity or the church, right? No. From what? Right. Okay. Unified, solid. No. We know a lot of people in our age range who are doing that. What do you think it is about? Is it just because like we're more committed? I'm not sure it is. I think there are certain things about our we're not as bothered or offended or thrown off or something. Like what what is it, do you think, from our background and experience, our unique ones, that has made us not be as thrown off by the imperfections of the church or as um you know, wanting to run off and try something else? Like what what about our stories? Like Eric, is it hearing from your parents' experience of not being Christians? You know, Ray, is it from you're going like, I don't, you know, whatever you saw like in your home, you're like that was a dry form of religion, or I don't know. I'm just throwing. No, I'm guessing, I, I would or, actually be the opposite for okay. me. Like I, I wouldn't want anyone to walk away from this thinking that I didn't like my home environment or that I was. I'm upset not hearing. With it. I'm not hearing that at all. I'm just saying. Sure. Yeah. Um. No, it was actually the opposite. It was that. Um. It was that at home I was taught to question things hmm. and taught to be analytical yeah, okay. and operate from a perspective that didn't necessarily just trust immediately. So then when you got into, when you waded into some Christian stuff, you didn't do it with, you weren't just like, I was trepid- whatever you I was say. trepidatious yeah. in a sense. Like I wasn't, and I still am not someone who likes, can be swayed yeah. very easily by things. And so once I do something, I stick with it. And so... Like, even when I went to school, I remember my dad firmly telling me, you can believe what you want to believe, you know. Like, you don't have to – you don't have to agree with everything that they tell you. Hmm. And you need to make sure that that sticks with you your whole life. Yeah. That kind of thing. Where it was instilled Hmm. in me to be be someone that asks questions. And I don't – And isn't it interesting? I don't regret that. I like that. Oh, right. Yeah. I I wouldn't – it sounds great. Like – Yeah. um, And I'm thinking – it's funny – because I think the risk that a lot of us or a lot of our parents must have felt, and frankly, I feel it too as a parent, like that feels like a risky thing to say yes. to your kid. But interestingly, in your experience, you're told that and you went, great, thanks. I don't feel like I have to do anything so no. I can really just look at this. And then once you chose to be a Christian, on you're like, I chose it and I'm good with it. And I'm not, and I don't, still don't feel like I can't question everything. Everything, and it's kind of like made you more solid. Whereas people yes. who were, who were told like this is what we do, you have to go here, mm-hmm. you have to do this. I mean, I don't know. Well, I, I actually think it's a, a little. Well, I think there's a couple things. One, I think when you grow up in church, like all of us, you're gonna have, you're gonna experience friends who leave. Yeah. Even 30 years sure. ago. You're twenty something. They're going to have the same conversation. That hasn't changed. In fact, the the church hasn't changed. I, I think we're about a third of the U.S. I mean, yeah. the American church hasn't changed. Sure. So I don't think that's as much what's what's changing. But I do think when people are talking about their friends leaving, is that this last generation has given the church the responsibility to raise its children spiritually. So yeah. what we've said yeah. is, what I need to do is find the best space. For my kid to you know grow up spiritually, so it has to be the best youth group. It needs to be the best Sunday school. It needs to be feels like that's backfired. 
it has. And I yep. think even the statistics are showing that that has backfired, that youth groups don't retain children. They leave once they, you know. Yeah, I, I, I studied all this at my previous church. I was a youth director. We were seeing all that happening. I started to ask questions about that. And essentially, I mean, kind of what I came up with was we created, we attempted to create perfect churches for every little age group, and then we expected them to advance up to the next higher one. And the leap from college ministry to regular church was usually impassable. Yeah. Um, because the now all of a sudden it's supposed to be multi-generational and it's supposed you're supposed to be in there with your grandparents and it's no longer perfectly designed for you. Right. Um and people just didn't like it. And uh I mean there there are a lot of factors, but right. that was one of them that They don't like it and they haven't there's not a connection to their parents and yeah. to a bigger right. population when they enter in. Yeah, to and, that service. Well, and so. some people didn't make the jump like I did. I was in middle school world, and some people they got to high school and they went, "I don't like this." Like I liked middle school, and they dropped off there. Some people liked high school, went to the college ministry or college ish church, and went, "I don't like this anymore." But at some point, the expectation was, "I've got to go somewhere I really, really, really like that's tailored to me," and it and and it wasn't connected to others. It didn't require laying down your life. Right. Yeah. Well, you think about like well. To Rod, who will maybe on this podcast someday. Yep. Uh, <laughs> maybe next. Maybe next. Maybe next. Uh, like, if you hear his legacy, I mean, he has, yeah. I think there are five siblings, and they're all doing ministry and all engaged in mm-hmm. the world and in the church. Well, and you hear how his mother and then his father before he died, like, they really built a foundation, yeah. talked about God. They were all interconnected in their community. Yeah. If it, like I don't see that in families. I don't see it interconnected. I see it as I make sure you get to school. I make sure you get fed. The church makes sure that you're instructed about Jesus. I sing you some songs when you go to bed. You know, right? So three things. I and this may be the where the Catholic Italian right comes in handy because you know we were at Grandma's house every Sunday. Yeah, eating food and right. being with all your cousins. Right. You know. Eight, you know, thirteen of them, or however many it was, and there was, you know, some of my cousins are like brothers and sisters, and when I came into the church life, that was never the case. Some right. people didn't know their cousins. I'm like, that's strange. You know, that's yeah. very I don't, different. I don't know my cousins. That's but like generally. So that's very yeah. strange to me. Like, I text my cousins on the regular. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the second thing is, I think what you're saying is right that they've tried. <laughs> The people people my age that grew up in churches were taught to trust in institutions. I mean, there are literally things that are, you know, focus on the family, for instance, is geared towards focusing on the family or the institution of the family. Right. Trust in the institution of the church. Trust in the institution of yes. school. So you trust in these institutions, and one by one, these institutions fail. Right. I mean— Every single one of those institutions will fail you, and you should have low expectations for them and question them and be able to ask questions. And when, and then the third part of this is that part of the apologetics world was never mm-hmm. really like let's figure out how we can have a deep understanding of you know these institutions and how they are and why they may fail or not fail it's all it was always just how can we have an answer to defend our faith and not really understand what we're talking about 
and or have a faith. Or, or have a faith. Exactly. And so yeah, yeah there there's there are people I know, I mean, who who do apologetics professionally and aren't part of the church and aren't connected to any of it. Exactly. But but are answer questions. Right. It's it's an interesting like all all the answers, but then it's like if in my appraisal, if you look at the life, it, it's like this doesn't look like a person in Christian community. No. And that can that can happen in parachurch world as well and stuff like that. But like but that's an interest like having the answer became the big thing. Sure. And I think in Still the, in the end, it. what happened was and what has happened and why there's such a generational divide is that there are younger people that are my age that that say, you guys don't live up to even the answers that you provide. Right. You're you're not living out of what you say. And it's hard for them to put those things together because all of the institutions have failed. And right. when they say focus on the family, they really don't. Sure. Like that's something that is difficult for people to grasp. And so – you know, to bring it back to the original question, for me, it was always, well, I can ask questions about these things and be free to um, be free to question it. Yeah, that seems like a pivotal thing that was given to you by your family was that yeah. freedom to ask the questions. You you did have a strong, you had a strong base. Yeah. Like, it sounds like in your family, there was a safe, connected place to be, to be known, and then an encouragement that you could... You could ask hard questions and move forward in life without just – you didn't have to – interesting, like you're talking about like don't trust in the institution, but then your family was a strong familial was, institution. Yes. So well, it's yes. like – It sounds can, like there's – like family identity is the right. common link here. Yes. Yeah. Strong family identity and strong family loyalty yeah. shapes you. It does. It does. Yeah, and I, I have a different version of that. I wanted to, I wanted to hear from you, Eric, on the – so – your family, first generation Christians who went all in to the parachurch world, mm-hmm. you have now gone all into the small church, high community, high commitment world. Yeah. Um, so you you've diverged a little bit, right. but at the same time, you're not done with the church, questioning the church. You're so how do you how do you see that your your experience set you up for that? And prepared you for that, and and made that reasonable in your mind. Yeah, well, I mean, well, the strong family identity, the fact that my family taught us the big thing is that mission is the high highest thing. The mission yeah. of the church, the mission of God. I mean, yeah. is the is the thing that we're all about. So even our family identity is secondary because our family identity is this mission that yeah, we're on. You do that together. My right? mother was not that in love with the church. Yeah. My father, Catholic. I mean, he even though he's a first generation Christian, he grew up in a Catholic family. Yeah. Um, and has a love for church. Like he has a love for the the kind of the grandeur and the the sacredness and the mystery of it. And through that, I fell in love with the church. So for me, I took that, we're on mission, Mm. and I love God's church. And it took a long time to reconcile, because when I really got into God's church, I felt like nobody was on mission. Yeah. (laughs) And so they were more in maintenance, right? Uh And so I, I felt like I had to find my way through that and find similar voices that were speaking the same thing, but I, I was all laid out for me. I just had to kind of find my own way and create 
something that was unique to me, which my family gave permission for, for the most part. Mm, yeah. Well, and, and Andy and you growing up in a more, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, liberal, small L liberal um, household or, or less conservative evangelical household, do you think that you had permission to ask questions and do things that maybe other kids in, in your evangelical circles didn't? Um, yeah, it, probably. It wasn't framed. It, never did I hear from one of my parents, you don't need to trust this, you know, ask questions. But what I did gather from them was because we were never just a part of the mainstream of the church or sure. the school, there was always something that differentiated us, whether it was whether it was our, you know, our leaning toward the left of politics or whether it was the um, the fact that by and large, when we went to evangelical churches, they were wealthy and we were not. Whatever it was, it was like we were never we were never really invited into the core of it. Yeah. And so as a family, we always I think there was always a an understanding that we didn't have to be on the same page with these people to be here. Like, because otherwise we wouldn't be here. Like, we wouldn't be in this church if we had to have all the boxes checked and be on the same page. So it's like there was just kind of this silent understanding that we had that, look, it's not all going to be there. We're not going to agree with everything being said. And even the fact that my my mom was – she was converted into, into the Pentecostal church, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, that's where she – came to Christ. My dad grew up in a long time nominally, well, I mean somewhat involved Lutheran family that they founded the church in Warren, Arizona. And so even to go to to go to any church was a negotiation of some form. Mm-hmm. So if we went to a Pentecostal church, it was cuz it was a little tamer for my dad and he wasn't going to participate with all that funny business. And then, you know, and I he might have called it funny business. And he just sat in the back and went, okay, you do your slain in the spirit thing. I'll be resting here in the back pew while you do that, and then we can move on, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still going to read my Bible, and I'm still going to pray, and I'm just not going to do that with you because I find that strange. I don't connect with it, even though my mom was a part of that. And then if we went to something more, you know, and there were a couple times we went to something that wasn't Pentecostal, and my mom went, okay. I love to express myself and put my hands in the air and go, ah. and uh, but I can't do that here because that would be weird and that would throw everybody off. So I can let that go, but I'll still do X, Y, and Z. So we were always negotiating that kind of thing. So then I think my expectation that the church is always going to be fulfilling, fulfilling isn't <laughs> that's just not there for me. And then my parents, another factor is my parents are. Um, like there was like a generation skipped in our family. So where um, my parents met when my mom was 40 and my dad was 35. So for a 37-year-old, my dad is a Vietnam veteran, has already died. Um, like that's not necessarily – that's more like I almost belong – like from the parental standpoint, I'm almost like coming more from Eric's experience. Right. right You're yeah. almost a, like, gen, a Gen Xer. Like I had, yeah. I had the parents of a Gen Xer. You know, yes. but I grew up among the early millennials, right? Right, right? And it was always interesting because there were just always differences. We lived, my mom and dad, like we lived in like a scarcity mentality that was partially because of the money we had, but partially because my, my mom was, you know, born right after the depression. depression. And that is is a thing. <laughs> yeah, that's a huge thing. And, um, and I still live like that. Like 
Mm-hmm. I don't have to have much in the bank account to feel secure because no one in my family ever did. And that wasn't a, it's never a thing, you know? And it, it, there's all sorts of stuff that comes from that. But, um, but also, yeah, that, that whole, like always negotiating, mm-hmm. um, now it, and I, and I learned how to get along with older people. I, so there was something about when you come into a church and, and you got to negotiate and things aren't always your way and the body is diverse, body of people is diverse, that's, and it's, and you got to work with that and you got to let things go. It's always, but I think so, to go back to me. Eric's point, you had a lot of family in not individualism, but family, so something that set your family apart and yeah. allowed you guys to be together. Yeah. In a sense. And so I think it's funny that I mentioned focus on the family because it is important to do sure. that. But it's almost like the reason why they were doing that was wrong. Um, it, the, the reason why they were doing that was because there wasn't a focus on the family. And I yeah. get that. But but the problem wasn't necessarily that people needed to like sit at the table more. It was that probably there needed to be the ability to have your family and be open and honest. And it yeah. seems like we all had that. Yeah. Whereas there's a lot of people that I know that didn't have any of For that. For sure. Yeah. yeah. In our family, we had, we had all sorts of weirdness and brokenness, of course, as, as do all. But one thing we could do, I mean, we would, there was never like a hidden thing. Like if my dad was, my dad was very quiet. So it would seem like, oh, he, you know, you didn't know what was going on with him. Not necessarily. Like he was quiet, but we would challenge him on his quietness and push it. And that was okay. Um, and my mom and I were both very, very expressive. So if I was upset about something or confused about something or thought something was wrong, we could just, that could just be out in the open in the middle of the house. And we all talk about it. Same with, if my mom was like, we saw something on TV. She's like, I don't think that's any good. And she would say it. And then I'd be like, I don't, I mean, like the Simpsons, this is an example. She'd be like, I think this show's really disrespectful. And I was like, I think it's showing how silly disrespect is, you know? And well, how do you figure? Well, look, they're, you know, Bart's not, I'm not looking at Bart going, that's, that's my role model. That's me. I want to be like Bart. (laughs) I'm looking at him going like, that's ridiculous, funny, Mm -hmm. but ridiculous. I think that's what they're trying to say. And we could just do that, and my dad would just sort of hang out and take it all in. <laughs> do you think that – do you agree with that? I mean, Eric? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think uh, that well, – the exchange of ideas sounds like there's a commonality there of yeah. being able to really wrestle with things. Yeah. Um, so, it's, yeah, I, I do agree with that. So, I mean – I guess I don't have a family, you know, I'm not in the same situation as you guys with kids and and wives and stuff. But do you think that that's something that you're you're able to model even now? I mean, I listened to your last podcast talking about, (laughs) you know, even allowing your kids to be in a certain space uh, online and stuff. And how much freedom do you allow? What what can you do Uh, or not do? Um, You know, is there intellectual curiosity that, that you're willing to extend yeah, well, I, I think what's interesting is I have come to the conclusion that I'm not going to be able to sh- change my children's the influence of the culture anymore. Sure. Like, whereas I think my mom and previous generations could actually put up a barrier and say the culture is not going to invade here, but because of the internet, because of connection to friends, 
I mean, even my mom had a hard time with neighbors if I went because we didn't have a TV, but I could go to their house, right? And, and, and then and catch a show. Who or knows two. what you're watching, right. right? And so they weren't monitored. So that 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 did happen. But what I have realized is that relationship, like relational yeah. engagement, is the most important thing. That we have to engage everything together or as much as we can together. And that's my job. I can't yeah. expect them to come to me. I have to pursue them, hunt them down, watch for clues, tell them, try to create a, a loyalty to family that will override other things so that we can have a conversation um, about stuff. But not loyalty in a shame-based way. Like, but sure. a loyalty that, like, um, it's a safe place and family's opinions are important. And we, we need to wrestle with them. But, yeah, like, my, my kids certainly didn't actually pick up the same like love for the church, the same even understanding of mission and all those kinds of things, even though they're they, they're now growing up in like a, a missional church and in a community that's, you know, I think more healthy than the ones that I grew up in. And yet they're they I mean they have a heart for friends and stuff like that, but they are definitely products of their culture. Yeah. And wrestling with the judgment that even they see exists in the village in the sense of right. Jesus makes statements and that's really uncomfortable with them as members of this particular culture. Yeah. Right. And Jesus makes invitations that exclude people and that's uncomfortable uh -huh. for them sure. in there, you know, because they love their friends so dearly. And there's that loyalty that I did not have when I was a kid their age. I was not that loyal to friends, to friends that way. Yeah. Cause they're loyal, loyal. Yeah. Um, and I think part of that, too, is that our generation and then the generation coming after mine didn't necessarily all have that family dynamic, yes. that strong family dynamic. And so they had to create it somewhere. Yes. And they created it in Friends. And now that's almost the norm in society. Yes, I would agree. In fact, you saw it in the Lego movie, like Friends <laughs> Are Family in the yeah. Batman. Yeah. yeah. And that is an important statement. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah, I I don't know. I I definitely um you know, I've one kid. It's been a unique experience in, in many ways like because up until recently her whole life has been lived in two homes. Sure. Um and that is and that is a reality for a lot of people. I'm thankful to have a glimpse into that cuz I used to not understand it at all. Um, but it's hard. Like, so my daughters always had, there were two value systems, two homes, two different ways of coping. She's always had to like recognize that there was one and then she'd have to switch and do another one. And then there's school and a lot of like, okay, now we're in this environment. Now we're in this one. Now right. we're in this one. Um, and that wasn't by design. So we've had to learn how to, deal with that. So there's a lot of like, when do we have a discussion where we say, you know, that thing that you learn over here, it might not be, you know, true. Um, or other times where it was like, you know, you could do it either way. And just having to like work through like the times of when do you, when do you challenge something? When do you let it go? Um, and that's been that's been quite confusing. I assume that in her life this will cause pain, and it will also equip her for some stuff. Like she will be a versatile person, right? With a with pain. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because 
I when I do have kids and a family, I would love to say that I want to be someone that would extend that freedom. Right. But I'm terrified that I'm not going to be that. I actually feel like that is going to be the <laughs> thing that I have to right. wrestle with the most. Well, as a as a church elder, yeah. your go-to is not whatever. No, it's not. <laughs> the funny part about it is it's not. And and even when yeah. I am watching my niece, right. you know, oh yeah. Or yeah. or it's in like, the situations where I'm yeah. babysitting, I heard her say something that I thought, man, that's just not right. And I said, don't ever do that again. But then I thought to myself, man, am I going to be that way when I have kids? And it scares me. Well, to some degree, though, you need to be because I, there I, has to I, be an element where you do do that. Well, boundaries like, are important. Like children. a piece With boundaries. of boundaries. Yeah. A piece of my deal is like I I wanted my dad to be more like I came. I'm a little I'm a little strict. I'm on the strict end sure. of parenting. And part of that is because I was always like pushing for my dad to lay down a rule, and I didn't see it that way. Um, but I wanted it. I wanted to know where does where does it stop? When does it end? What do you want from me? Right. Um, and so I'm like very big on saying what I want um, as as a parent, at mm-hmm. least. I I had I struggle with that in other areas, but for whatever reason in parenting, it's like here's what I want you to do. Um, if you do this, here's the consequence. Sure. Um, and I'm sure it's it's a little reactive, but it's also because I, I went, I wanted more of that. So that some of that, it's not always, you don't just always send a kid into the world, I don't think, going, hey, you go figure no, it out. No, and or, I don't think that either. Yeah. Um, and I, But I'm afraid that I would be too far, too mm-hmm. heavy-handed. Yeah. It, it freaks me out. Right. Or Or maybe just in the world of ideas when they start talking because kids talk in absolutes and so when they start expressing counter opinions and absolutes and this is the world the way the world is and this is how things are and and you're like oh no 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 they're not that way and you want to shut that down and and some of it is like oh no i just have to let them explore and then i can push a little here and there right but yeah my my inclination in the beginning was be like no (laughs) (laughs) that's not true you can't do that you can't think that way we got to correct your thinking and yeah, that, that just means that they won't talk to you. And I think the interesting right. thing in the family dynamic was that there was always the fear of, like, how am I going to get all – and not even family. Let's go big picture. Like, everyone that I'm with when I was younger was like, yeah. how are these people – how am I going to save all these people mm-hmm. that yeah. don't, you know? How am I going to save them? That's, and yeah. and then at some point or another, and I think this is how you get to more of the <laughs> – not to veer off too much, but to more of the how I kind of lean more in the reformed area yeah. of man, you're not going to right, and you have to just kind of allow yourself to trust God to do that. Yeah, you know, yeah that that was one thing I learned from the two home scenario because everything in me, you know, for twelve years now has wanted to to be sure that my daughter is safe that she knows Jesus, that she values, you know, honoring God and just having to wrestle with a realization that 50% of the time, yeah, I won't, I don't know if she's safe. 50% of the time she might be being taught a morality structure that I actively disagree with. 50% of the time she might be encouraged to be herself no matter what Jesus might say. Yeah. And this realization that I can't control that, I can't be there, and I have to let I have to put this in the hands of God. And like I can 
theologically say, well, that's just how it works. But that that realization that like I am like legally restricted from that from her life fifty percent of the time. Yeah. Was like that that was a hard thing to to go. So what will I do? Throw in the towel or just continue to invest and say, God, at the end of the day, I, it's your deal. I think we should probably end there at least. We we the, probably should for time's sake yeah. anyway. I have to go back to work. Yeah, yep. <laughs> Ray has because it's just faith over lunch. It's just faith over lunch. Well, let's end it. Thanks, yeah, Eric. It, that's yeah. a that's a great point. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and uh, we'll see you next week, or you'll hear us. Really, is what it is. Thank you.